And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me on the phone line today is Pastor Ben Miller. He's pastor of Trinity Church on Long Island. Pastor Ben, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Oh, it's great to be back, Dan. Thank you. Before we open the mic, and in several emails prior, we discussed what we were going to be working on today, and um, we settled on the idea of um, leaving the work of the kingdom in the hands of the next generation, seeing the fruit of our labors entrusted to our children and our children's children. And uh, you suggested that um, we kind of launch our discussion by looking first at Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. So, Ben, maybe you can uh, get us started now, and we'll start talking about this. Yeah, well, in the Old Testament, um, Deuteronomy is um, a pivotal book, obviously, in that it's Moses' last uh, sermon series, if you like, to Israel as they're about to finally go in and possess the land of Canaan. And one of the critical uh, moments in that book comes in chapter 6, where Moses is really beginning to expound kind of the bedrock of what life in this new kingdom is going to be, how it's going to shape up. And it begins with households. It begins with parents and their children. And you have that kind of programmatic, uh, what's called the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall teach these things to your children and children's children, essentially, um, you know, taking the Torah, the instruction of God, and write it on your heart, you know, write it on your hands, write it on your doorpost, talk of these things as you sit in your house, walk by the way, lie down, rise up, love God with all your heart, and teach that to the next generation. So, you know, there, there are a lot of other things said in that book about how the society of this kingdom is, is supposed to be constructed, but it all it all begins in households that are nurseries of the kingdom. And if we're tempted to dismiss that as maybe just something distinctive to Moses' ministry or, or Israel, um, I, I really think that reappears very, very clearly in the New Testament scriptures as well. Um, it's always been so interesting to me that in at least Ephesians and Colossians, these two books that are just such compressed descriptions of both what God has done for his saints in Christ and what God calls his saints, how he calls them to live in Christ. Uh, in both of those epistles, Paul begins the letter, of course, with all of these exalted descriptions of God's love and kindness and grace to us through Jesus. And then he begins to break down to whom he's speaking and, and specific What's it mean to walk, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, so, so walk in Christ. And he starts to break down to, to whom he's speaking specifically, various categories of saints. And you have just general, um, general things said to all believers, you know, putting off the old ways of the old self and putting on the new self in Christ, but then in specific categories, wives, husbands, parents, and children, and Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Parents, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's, it's so very clear that Christ is the context in which all of us, from age 1 to age 81, 
are growing and learning to walk. And so, you know, I, I think that household kind of center foundation uh, is there in both in both testaments. Yes, I, I'm glad you mentioned that these principles here that we find in Deuteronomy have uh, application for us today, mm. uh, this side of the coming of Jesus Christ. And um, our Lord is is intimately, very, very interested in our children mm. and our children's children. The raising of a child, that's not a part-time effort, is it? Hmm. Well, yeah, certainly not. <laughs> my, my wife and I have four children, and... Um, it's, uh, I mean, I mean, it's in the best sense. It's really all-consuming, and and in a sense, it should be. I mean, if if we if we really believe that the kingdom of God is the big thing going on in the world, you know, that God is has this mission that um, he's he's reclaiming his human race. He is he is restoring through Abraham's seed the the ruin that Adam left us with. I mean, that's an ongoing work over time, and 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 so. You know, we, we should we should be really caught up in in you know, when we when we pass from the scene when our time on the stage of the world is is over the kingdom's going on and so yes there's a concern for seeing those who are lost brought into the kingdom and you know there, that's that's a kind of generational work um, but certainly um, it's going to be you know just that from the standpoint of our witness. You know, if if our children are not brought up in the things of the Lord and 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 don't see the beauty and glory of of God's kingdom, um, I often wonder how we expect to make this attractive to those outside the church when 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 our young ones growing up. You know, if we're neglecting them and and if their hearts are growing cold to the Lord, what's that say to those from outside? And so, you know, I I would I would make the case that raising our children to serve God after we've passed in the scene is actually central to everything the gospel's about, central to everything the mission of the church is about. Yes, yeah, for sure. The notion, maybe you can help us here, uh, prior to turning on the mic, I also was just reviewing really quick Paul's writing to the Romans, talking about us Gentiles being grafted in. And um, uh, sharing this nourishing root of the olive tree, how that we're not to be arrogant toward the branches, but um, is it appropriate, therefore, that the Christian be called the Israel of God? I do think so. Um, this, there's a lot of debates about this that we don't necessarily need to go into here, but I think just the fundamental model and metaphor that Paul uh, and other places in the New Testament, Peter, sets before us, is that this Israel of God in the Old Testament, this called people, uh, physical descendants of Abraham, there, over time, there was this believing remnant, especially in the time of the exile, all the way down to the time of the Roman Empire when Messiah finally comes. There's this believing remnant who is faithful to the Lord and continues to wait for Messiah. And, you know, the Gospels show this real, this kind of complex encounter of, of Messiah with the Israelites, you have the, the those who become disciples, you have the believing remnant, and then you have especially the the leaders, the Sanhedrin, the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and others, you know, these kind of power brokers of the, the Israelite religion and, and, and kind of political entity at that time. They're, they are just absolutely hostile to, to Messiah. They reject him, and eventually um, their house is left desolate. 
But this believing remnant of Israel, these true Israelites who follow their Messiah, who believe in him, become the seed of the church. And, and then Gentile branches are grafted in. Um, and so we are joined with this stump of believing Israel, and we're, we become part of this tree. And so we are described by Peter as now the, um, you are the elect of God, you are the holy nation, you are the kingdom of priests, exactly what Israel was to be, only now it includes all nations, because in the very beginning, God's plan was that in Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed. So that means that the, the things that God said to Israel in the Old Testament are absolutely applicable to us in, you know, in ways that are now uh, fitting to Messiah's kingdom, as opposed to the political entity of Old Testament Israel. Yeah, I just want to get that behind us, because it's so tempting for some folks, maybe with uh, a little bit of weak theological training, to say, well, this is just Old Testament. And you, you address this actually in the very beginning, but I just want to make sure people heard it, that this stuff really does apply to us. Yes. And so uh, as we get back to this idea of teaching our children, uh, I found it interesting in this portion of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, how that, the idea of writing on the doorposts, and it reminded me of a business that Deb and I visited a couple of days ago, a few days ago in Pennsylvania, and, uh, you know, it's kind of an Amish-style business, uh, really nice furniture and that sort of thing. And as we walked into the door, there in front of us, in, in rather large form, uh, were the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and uh, I thought, oh, isn't that refreshing? Yeah. Praise God for his law. And uh, I contrasted that with what we find um, in, a, in a town that we live near, which has turned very pagan. And um, the most that you'll find is um, Eastern religions, but never mm-hmm. when you walk into a store will you find anything of Christian character. And it was just so refreshing. It set a tone. And as we wandered mm-hmm. through the store, there were other little uh, posters and signs and stuff like that you could purchase, very tastefully done and having words of Scripture on them. And so this idea of, of in the Christian home, of having things up on the wall, for example, uh, talking of the truth of God, it seems is very appropriate. Well, and I think this, is, this might be a bigger topic than we have time for, but I think, so obviously in the public sphere, in, in, in sort of the common spaces of our society, we're clearly not seeing now reminders of, of the things of, of God, but one of the things that's really changed in our post-industrial society is our homes have changed a lot, too. Um, people are not spending a lot of time at home working, by and large. I mean, you know, there are exceptions, but the home is not—the the home might be a place where you do work, but it's—you're doing work that's actually, actually, that's actually located outside the home. So the home is, is generally not a place of production and, 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 and you know, business, and, you know, our lives don't really center on our homes now. Our lives largely center on our workplaces, and we come home to crash and— you know, kind of get weekend relief right. before going out to what is really the, the substance of our of our lives. And so I, I think one of the things we, we have to think about is not just furnishing our home in ways that are reminding us of the things of the Lord, but even just getting quality time in our homes where we're not just kind of frenetically getting ready for the next work week or, you know, just trying to somehow consume entertainment on weekends to kind of unwind before it all starts again. You know, the pace of life and, and, and sort of the centers of where the main activities of life have moved to, I think all of that really does affect 
the kinds of you know, quality time where we can even sit and sort of look at what's on the wall. I mean, I think even just the, the, the fact that largely meal times have become so hard to, to secure and, 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 you know, the kind of leisure just sit and eat together as a family and reflect together. Uh, the modern, modern society has not been very kind to home life in general, I would say. Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent observation. Let alone the impact of, of social media. I mean, you know, the, how, how even when we're home, we're still really connected to the outside world. This, this, these, are, these are big shifts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's um, talk a little bit about the way God sees our children. Let's suppose you do have a Christian household. I realize we have a variety of listeners out there today that... Maybe you're not blessed with a Christian household, and there's so much to talk about. But suppose you do have a Christian household. How does God see these these little kids that come into our households? Well, I, 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 taking, again, a cue from Paul, uh, Paul's letters, you know, as well as Deuteronomy and other places in Scripture, Proverbs and so on, I think we, we need to see them as as disciples of Jesus from, from day one. Um, you know, we, we're told to raise them up. And, and bring them up in the, the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So they, they belong to Him. Um, you know, I, I like to think of my children as on loan to me. Um, I don't own them. Uh, God owns them. Yeah. And so the question is how to take care of them well. Um, and so that, that doesn't just affect our attitude toward them, which is something I need to pray for a lot, because, you know, in the stress of parenting, it's very easy to become frustrated with your children. It's very easy to frustrate them. You know, there can be a lot of just friction as we learn to love one another and work through our relational sins. Uh, so there's an attitude towards them. You know, they they are they belong to Jesus. They belong to God, and and we need to treat them as as holy in, in that sense. But it's not just attitudinal. You know, there's also actions. We 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 are to bring them up, and and God's discipline and instruction means we're to be furnishing their minds and hearts and imaginations and consciences with. You know, to, to use a just a very general phrase, with the things of God, with you know a, a, the story of the kingdom and the, the laws of the kingdom and the promises of the kingdom, and you know teach them how to the three basic relationships of life, right? With with their God, with other human beings, and their relationship as stewards over the stuff of the earth. You know, we're called to take dominion over the things of the world and form and fill creation. And so, you know, there's a lot going on, and and, and I think I think just. Yeah, we can talk more about the specifics, but there, there's a lot of activity in just getting them ready to live as God's people in God's world on God's mission. Yeah, and uh, even disciplining our children as um, yes as the need arises, um, some of the discipline may hurt us as much as it hurts the child, quote unquote, hurt. But but the end goal is um, raising up a son or daughter to walk strongly after the things of God. And uh, in the process, we're not to let ourselves get puffed up and say, oh, I'm the big boss. Uh, that's that's a, right. that's a ugly, sinful attitude. Yeah, I mean, biblically framed authority is always about the good of those who are being led. And, uh, you know, on one hand, it's absolutely critical. If you love someone, you just are not going to be okay with things that could destroy them. And so, I mean, if you if you love your child, you will take an interest in their sins. You will take an interest in the temptations that are assailing them. But where I think parents can be can really frustrate children, and actually almost turn them off to to 
to the ways of God is if children get the impression that what you're demanding of them or what you're forbidding, saying no to, is really about your convenience. It's really about, you know, you kind of being the power broker in your home, uh, you know, you, you're kind of waving your authority around, as opposed to, especially as they get older, really explaining to them the two ways, right, the two roads. There's a way that leads to life, there's a way that leads to death, and really talking them through it so that they can begin to, to understand there are some things that you are against and you're calling them to be against because they're just destructive. And, and that's, just, that's not always a matter of law. I often talk to my children, you know, I'm, I'm not just trying to help you know what God's moral rules are for life. No, there's some things that are just ruinous, and, and God tells us to stay away from them. Right. But there's also this gigantic category of wisdom. You know, it's not always just what's black and white, moral or immoral. There's questions of what leads to flourishing. What are better ways of living? What are things that allow us to become everything that God made human beings to be, as opposed to things that kind of shrivel us? and weaken us, and, you know, just make us kind of shallow. But I think that it needs to be an open conversation. And so on one hand, there is parental authority, but on the other hand, there's a lot of just reasoning and, and sort of giving your children kind of the, the mental and imaginative calisthenics that allow them to have an examined life, you know, a thoughtful approach to life, to understand what a well-lived life could even look like. I mean, certainly they're getting all the marketing every day that's telling them the good life looks like this or that or the other thing. We have to push back against that and in ways that are truly imaginative and, and winsome. Yes, amen. We could talk for hours, Pastor Ben. Today we're talking with Pastor Ben Miller, Senior Pastor of Trinity Church, Long Island, New York. And uh, let's talk about the creation mandates, maybe two minutes on each of them. Uh, worship, uh, the work of forming creation, and the work of filling creation. So we've, we've touched on this already. Um, as, as I understand the original design in Genesis for, for humankind, there are these three mandates. Um, there, there's the worship mandate, that at all times we walk with God. You know, there's, there's this, our, our, our minds and hearts are, are heavenly, even as our, our life is, is clearly in this world and God intends it to be in this world. If you look early in Genesis, the children of Seth, you know, the, the line of faithful seed, they're building altars. The Cainites, you know, the, the sons and daughters of Cain, they're out building cities. And early in Genesis, that's an important distinction. You know, we, we are a worshiping people. That's number one. So that, that kind of worship mandate. And that's to just pervade all of life. Life is to be worshipful. But the, the second mandate is clearly directed toward the earth. Um, subdue the earth, God says. You know, we... We are not to spend all day every day in activities of worship. We are, to, we are, by God's design, to have this work mandate in the world. We, we, God calls us to work and to, to form creation, right? And, and that could take all kinds of forms. It involves the sciences, it involves the arts, it involves naming the animals, it involves you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And our, our children need to be taught life skills, just how to... It's one dimension of wisdom, the ability to, to skillfully, you know, build radios. And, and, and I, I would even say uh, some of the more playful parts of life, you know, athletics and other things, hobbies can be part of how we form, form the earth. Um, so worship, work in forming, kind of the earth-directed mandate. And then there's the, there's the more uh, 
the work that, that that's a bit more socially directed, um, human to human, because we're not just to form the earth, we're to fill it. Now, that immediately gets us into the whole topic of men and women, because you can't actually fill the world without men and women, and, you know, the union of marriage producing more people. But it, it's, not, it's filling the world and then learning to live together in the world, learning how to worship together, learning how to work in the world together. And so there's that whole communal side to our lives. And I think, I think um, put together, those three mandates, Godward, Earthward, and other humans, uh, directed towards other humans, I think all of that is, is a pretty full picture of, of what humanity is for. And I, I, I think it's pretty clear that all of us need to think about all of that quite a bit and, 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 and imagine together what that can look like and certainly fire a, a passion for those things in the hearts of our children and children's children. Amen. The uh, gospel touches each of these areas, doesn't it? The worship, certainly. Amen. But also this cultural mandate, the, the subduing of the earth, and then certainly uh, the filling of the earth. Uh, the gospel shouldn't be hindered. It shouldn't be held back. It shouldn't be, oh, we're going to get to heaven someday, so let's constantly look forward to heaven. Well, we should be looking forward to heaven. Mm-hmm. But it's a much larger gospel, isn't it? Yes. Yes, and I think when it's interesting that Jesus says, go and make disciples, he doesn't just tell us to go and tell people how to be reconciled to God. That's absolutely bedrock. I mean, you know, yes, be reconciled to God, but be reconciled to God so that now you can live in the world as his children, teaching them, Jesus says, to observe everything I've commanded you. And that, I think, really takes in the whole of what God is restoring humans to do. It certainly involves work. And, and, you know, many places in the New Testament bear that out, and I think this is another area where the Old Testament can give us some, help us flesh things out. You know, the Old Testament does show us some things for which Jesus saves us. Like, Messiah comes to restore all things, and we get some, we get some important pictures of what that might look like in the Old Testament. It involves land and, and you know, the stuff of the world, and, um, and, and so, you know, we, that doesn't all just disappear in the New Testament. Rather, I think... What's going on is that it's no longer confined to this land of Israel. It's now going on in all the world as the Holy Spirit brings the nations to the obedience of faith. Yes, yes. I like to uh, think also of the implications of that Great Commission when he says disciple. Uh, The idea of discipling the nations implies a sort of worldwide gospel success. I don't know any other way to put it. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, And I think even the word... Disciple, one of the uh, Dallas Willard put me onto this a while back. He he, he uses the word apprentice, apprentices, and I, I like that because disciple. I don't know what that exactly communicates in our modern context, like what that brings to mind. But being a disciple is, is being a follower, it's being an apprentice, it's being it's being a, a worker under Christ in the workshop of the world now, and learning how to learning how to be human. Under the uh, under the grace that God has given in Messiah, and that is to fill the world. That is not just to transform individual lives; it is to transform homes, and through transforming homes, it is to transform neighborhoods and communities. And I would even say, in time, it's God's purpose that it would transform institutions and structures of society, where it would be absolutely conceivable that a nation could begin to reorder its life under the rule of God. And I think um, that's a very exciting, daunting, but very exciting prospect. And, and, and again, this is where we fire the imaginations of our children, that, you know, Middle Earth can be restored, if I can put it that way. (laughs) 
Well, that's fantastic. It, it really excites me. Today we've been talking with Pastor Ben Miller. Uh, ben, could you tell us about your church quickly and how people can find you? Yeah, we, uh, we're a little congregation um, in north-central Long Island, um, and uh, people can certainly visit our website at trinitychurchlongisland.com, or they can uh, reach out to me. Our, our phone number is 631-629-4528, and we'd be very glad anyone's in the area come visit us, or if you live here, we'd love to get to be friends. And I think you'll find a congregation of people that are thinking about this stuff and talking about it a lot and, you know, seeking to try to work it out in our everyday lives and, you know, leaning on God's grace as we as we try to do that. Yes, and um, sometimes, quite often, in fact, on a, what is it, a Tuesday night, we'll carry your sermons on proclamation here on the Redeemer Network, and uh, we always enjoy hearing you on the air. Praise the Lord. Pastor Ben Miller, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a privilege, Dan. Thank you. And dear listener, please join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.